1 Kings 18 that was really catching my attention about about being used by God and the way we look at things. Um, and in 1 Kings 18, I'm not going to go there, it's just really quick, just run through it real quick. But it's about, it's about this dude, and he's, uh, it's about Elijah, and he's, he's, uh, he's kind of going at it with these dudes who are believing in false things, right? And he's going at it with them, and they're comparing their gods to each other.
right? I don't get any glory. God does. And so that you guys understand that God is speaking and that you hear something from God. And, was, and so this was the way I think is the best way. So I've been praying, God, what do I say to these people today? What what can I, what can I, you got to show me because I don't know what's going on in their lives. If it's something that they've been reading or studying or something that they heard from someone or somewhere, just spark their attention. God, just, just take it so that you get the glory. So we're going to go to Philippians 1. And we're going to look at uh, Paul and how he is used by God um, throughout all the circumstances. It didn't matter. Uh, Paul had a different mindset. So uh, I'm going to start in verse 12. We're going to go for 18. It says, this is Paul speaking to the church of Philippi. And he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial, imperial guard, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, and much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others for goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, in that I rejoice. And verse twenty says, verse twenty seven says, Only let your manner be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So Paul, right, his whole background, he's 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 it's almost like he's his guest speaker and he's going around um, through Macedonia, through that region, to all these different churches. He's going to Ephesus, he's going to Corinth, he's going to all these different churches, he's making these journeys. Now they're long walks, so I don't even know how many days it takes. But he's going through and he's obviously, if you know Paul's mindset, he's obviously speaking the gospel to people. He's just, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. He doesn't know them. But he's going up to them and telling them about this great news, the gospel, right? And while he's going to Philippi, the Roman guards take him and throw him in jail. Right? His whole, his whole mindset is, all right, I'm going to church in Philippi. i got to preach this, preach this, preach that to them so that they can understand it because that's what God wants them to know. But what happens is, these guards take him because they hear he's preaching Christ. They don't like that. They throw him in jail. They start beating him up and everything. And he's, he's in jail now. So if you're Paul, if you're a guest speaker going to a church, and you're like, all right, God, you're going to use me at this church. You're going to use me there. You get thrown in jail. I mean, what, what do you say when you get thrown in jail like that? Like, what, what are you thinking? If you were to write a letter to, if you got thrown in jail, you're going to go speak at the church and you write, you're, you're get thrown in jail. Why are you going to speak at a church? What are you going to say if you had to write a letter to him? Are you, are you, going, to be, are you going to be complaining about they're, they're beating me up? They, they just keep hitting me. They're coming in every day. I get beat up three times a day. They're feeding me garbage food. I'm throwing it back up every time I eat it. It's so disgusting. Right? They're, these are what you're going to write to that church. Right? Because Please, just come help me out. Please, get someone sneak me out of here. I don't know. This is, this is horrible in here. That's what I would say. I'm going to speak at a church. If this morning, I came to speak at this church, and on my way, I stopped at, let's say I stopped at Dunkin' Donuts and preached to someone, or, or share the gospel with someone. And then they just take me and throw me in jail because of it. That's, that's, that's nuts. But Paul, instead of complaining and being like, listen, guys, you got to come get me. you got to come get me. It's horrible here. I'm bleeding. I'm completely bleeding because they just beat me all the time. But his attitude, I love this. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest.
rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. For all the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul doesn't look at his circumstances. He, he, he gets in these circumstances where God puts him, and he says, all right, God, how can you use me here? There's a whole imperial guard. This guy's chained to me all day in my, in my, in my jail cell. He doesn't know Jesus Christ. So how can you use me in, in this prison? Right? And he says, he says, oh, like to the church of Philippi, guys, I want you to know it's it's actually this is pretty cool. Where God has put me right now is actually pretty cool. I know I should be with you guys, but but God has something else for me. Right? Because if you step back and take a look from God's perspective, who holds the earth in his hands and knows everything, and with knowing everything in mind, he wants the best for us and has a plan for us. So God sees these guys who are working in jail who are in jail, who don't know him, and he's like, all right, how, who can I use to save these people who are in the jail cell? Who can I use to save the guards who are working in the jail? So he, he, God, with his plan, is like, all right, I'll, I'll use Paul. I'll have him get taken into prison, get chained up into prison, and I'll be stuck with this guy. And then I know Paul's attitude, and I know Paul, Paul's mindset, and I'm going to use Paul to reach these people. And then through that, people get saved. He says, I want you to know, it's, it's actually, this is awesome. This is working out to advance the gospel. Like, people are getting saved in a jail cell. That wasn't Paul's mindset before, but, but, but he, didn't, he took it day by day with the Lord, and he said, Lord, use me every day, right? It was step by step by step. It wasn't, all right, I, gotta plan, I, I, want, I want to know the Lord's will in my life, so, all right, in 20 years, I want to start this and this and this. Right, Jared, when, like 20 years ago, he wasn't probably thinking, oh, God, later on I want to start a church. He took it day by day by day. Lord, what's your will for me today? Lord, what's your will for me today? Lord, what's your will for me today? And I guess the Lord's will is for Paul to preach the people in prison. He says it's become known for the whole imperial, imperial guard for my imprisonment of Christ. And he says, I haven't become confident in the Lord by imprisonment. By my imprisonment, people are much more bold to speak.
so then going to college, I was planning on going to this college in Florida, and um, God just closed the door. And then another college in, in Massachusetts, and God closed the door. And then another college in Philadelphia, and God closed the door. I said, all right, Lord. I was planning on going to Florida. But instead, what he did was he kept me here back in Connecticut, and I'm going to the community college at Gateway. And Gateway is like a very, very kind of low, not a nice, not a nice school. It's just, uh, it's cheap, and it's, but it's where God wanted me. It's where, it's where the Lord placed me. So, so what, I, what I've been trying to do is take Paul's perspective. Like, all right, God, how can you use me today? Who can I talk to about you? Who, like, what can I do? Can I start a Bible study? How do you want me to use me? Um, and so I, I played on the basketball team last year and this year also. But last year, I remember just going in during tryouts. Before I knew I made the team, going in every day, I'd get there like a half hour early and just pray for the first 15 minutes. And it was just humbling to realize, God, I make this basketball team, it's not about me playing, it's not about me, it's not about me. Lord, you got to use me to, to talk to these kids, right? They don't know you. They have no clue who you are, and if they die right now, I know they're going to hell. And that, I couldn't stand that. That didn't, that didn't sit with me, real. So my whole goal is, God, all right, if I make this team, I don't care if I get a minute of playing time. I don't care if I get on the court at all. Just let me speak to each and every one of these kids, right? So, beginning of the year, I didn't really play too much, uh, not really at all. I was actually on the third string team, so I was like way down at the bottom. Um, I came into practice every day, just praying God used me somehow. I got to witness to some kids here and there um, throughout that time, which was unbelievable, so cool. Um, and then as time kept going, I just kept working harder and harder and harder. And by December, just randomly one game, my basketball coach started me. And I didn't know why, because there's a lot of better kids than me, but he started me, right? So I played, and I actually did really well, and so then from there on, the rest of the time, I started the rest of the season, and I was, I, I was scoring a lot of points, so, and what happened was, I noticed this at a tournament, and it was so humbling. We were up in New Jersey, and um, I was the leading scorer on the team for two out of the three games we played, and then after the first game, leading scorer two kids who wouldn't talk to me before because I didn't really play too much. I didn't have a higher status. Like, if you get a lot of playing time or score a lot, you have this higher status, like, on the team, whatever it is. It's stupid, but that's just how people look at it. And, and so, after, all of a sudden, I'm scoring these points. So, oh, oh, Dan, he's good. Like, so then they come and talk to me, right? So, through that, I got to speak to them, right? So, after that, man, I just realized, I was, oh, my goodness, Lord. This is the way you're using me. You're having me play good at basketball just so I can speak to these kids about you. Right? Like, and I got to speak one-on-one -on -one conversation with every single kid on the team just because the Lord was having me play good basketball so that in our hotel rooms at night, after class, wherever it was, in the in study hall, wherever it was, I got to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with every single kid on my team about Jesus Christ. Why? Because I was just ready for the Lord to use me. I was not playing on playing a single minute on the court. But it was, it was almost like this deal of a lifetime. Like, God was like, hey, I'll have you play good so that you can play off these kids. So, uh, all right, where do I sign, right? Was I planning on, on being, and I was planning on being What the Lord's will for me was to speak to these kids and play good basketball. And, and the time that I had, conversations that I have with these kids, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything in Florida. 
will is always the best way. You just have to take it day by day and find it. So the question is, are, be, are you being used by God? And if you're not being used by God, what are you being used by? And so many times I find in my life, if I seem I'm not being used by God in certain ways, that I'm used to, it's usually because there's sin in my life. It's just because I'm hooked on some kind of sin. And not only am I being used by that sin, but I'm being abused by that sin. Right, so are you being used by God or abused by your sin? Are you being used or abused? And in Romans 6, I think it breaks down really well to show the difference. Romans 6, uh, 15 through 18 says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. And then verse 20-23 says, But what fruit were you getting at, the same, at that time? the things of which you are not ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit of your the fruit you get leads to sanctification and ends eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But verse 15 through 18, I think he hits on the head. says that if you present yourselves as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. So are you being led to righteousness, or are you being led to sin, which leads to death? Right? It's this idea of, is sin in your life, and is it controlling you? Because there, there are sins in my life that can, that can take over control, if I let them, if I, if I appeal to my flesh and let it, let it take control. Right? It's in Galatians, it talks about how, you, how your, your, your spirit and your flesh, they're contrary to one another, right? And they're warring against each other. It's this constant battle between the Holy Spirit living inside of you or your sin nature, which is, they're always just fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. And sin will abuse you. It'll control your life so that you're not abused by God. And what is that? That's exactly what Satan wants. That's exactly what it wants. For sin to be abusing you every day controlling you, said, you want to go be used by God, but then all of a sudden something just catches your attention, and, and it's sin. It's the sin that has been controlling your life, and it just grabs your attention and pulls you away. You just get sucked down and sucked down and sucked down, and the deeper you go, the harder it is to get out of it. You just keep going, and keep going, and keep going. So the idea is how, if we're being abused by sin, how do we stop this is the question I've had to ask God so many times. And its answer comes in his word. And uh, we're going to look in James, talking about temptation. I love the way he explains it and the things he compares it to. James 1, verses 13 through 16. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. 
person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved, my beloved brother, James says. Do not be deceived. Don't, don't be deceived by that. So the first rule with temptation, when, when, when sin is in your life and, and when these things lure you away. First rule of temptation, when you give in, when you give in to sin, it's your fault. Because there's so many times we want, we want to play this blame game, right? Oh, it was her. Oh, it was this. It was that. It was that. It was that. It wasn't, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. When you go to the Bible, what is it? Oh, it says it is your fault. Right? It says in 13, or uh, 14, it says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? His own desire. Right? It's that, it's that selfish, it's that sin nature. And it's from within. It's not, it's not anything God. God's not tempting you. Try to blame God on all this stuff. Oh, well, well, God, if he's in control, then why do you allow that to happen? If God's, God tempted me. Oh, he did. It's your fault. It's, it's from within. Right? It was your choice to go do it. You, like, you had a choice to make the decision, and you, you chose the sin. You chose to fall into temptation. You chose to be deceived. First rule is it's your fault. But this idea of, of sin, right? And temptation. It's, it's empty. If we think we're going to get something from it, we think, alright, if I could just have that, maybe then get some more joy, right? It's like, um, I don't have I don't have the illustration, but I saw this guy, Francis Chan, did an illustration, and he, he stood up here, it was a really, really good one, but he had a wallet, right? And he went to someone in the crowd, and he said, if, uh, if you could take all, all the money in your wallet and trade for my wallet, would you do it? And they said, yes, so they traded. The wallet was empty. And it's this idea of there's something in there. I think there's something more in there. I think, oh, I just gotta have what's in there, what's in there, what's in there. We gotta know, we gotta know, we gotta know. We want that desire, we want that. Oh, what's in there, what's in there? And then you get it, and it's just this whole idea of oh, you gotta be kidding me. I traded that for this? I traded all my money in my pocket for nothing? Because I thought there was something in it. I thought there was a greater joy or greater fulfillment. There, it was just empty. That's what Satan is trying to lead you to. He's, he's just he's luring you. It says in verse 15, it says, Then desire when he's conceived. Uh, no, no, verse 14, it says, When he is tempted, he is lured and enticed. It's this idea of a hunting game. Right? It says uh, and Satan is a, is a, is a lion. It's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? It's this hunting game. And Satan's trying to, this, the word entice is actually an idea of hunting. He's just trying to lure you in and lure you in and lure you in like a fish. He's got that hook in that worm and he's just holding up to like, come on, just take it, take it, take it. And then once we take it, he just rips us. And it's just like, oh, why did I do that? That's so stupid. Give me no fulfillment, no desire, no nothing. It didn't give me joy. It actually made me feel worse. It was, it was just dumb. That's why James is saying, don't be 
you stay clean. I love Psalm uh, 19. It says, How shall a young man cleanse his way? The answer is by taking heed according to your word. Right? In uh, Matthew, it says, Fast and pray, lest you fall into temptation. When, you, when you're being tempted, you got to pray. you got to get on your knees. you got to take heed according to his word. you really got to sit and focus because it is everywhere. And there is times, man, there's times where there's been sin in my life, and it's just, it is, it's a, this real pull. Like, there's nothing fake about it. It's, oh, man, there's something inside of me that wants that so badly. And, and it's like, I almost know it's stupid, and I know where it leads, but it's just, oh, what is, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? And there's been times where I'm just like, God, I do not want to commit this sin so bad. I try to, to fast and pray, right, lest I fall into temptation. So I try to do God, I would almost rather die right now than, than commit this sin because I love you and I don't want to hurt you. And it's been that real, that, that pull. you gotta, you got to take heed according to his word to fast and pray. And uh, in James verses 1, early in the chapter, a couple verses earlier, in verse 2 he says, Count it all joy
birth 
that we didn't think were possible, God. 